get bought, get back, ride rail, get jail, jump bail, join the army if you fail. Look out, kid, they're gonna get hit by losers, cheaters, six-time users, hanging round the theaters, girl by the whirlpools, looking for a new fool, don't follow leaders, or watch your parking meters.
do Or nothing I can say That folks don't criticize me But I'm going to do Just as I want to anyway And don't care Just what people say If I should take a notion To jump into the ocean Ain't nobody's business If I do If I go to church on Sunday Then cabaret all day Monday Ain't nobody's business If I do If my man ain't got no money And I say take all of mine, honey Ain't nobody's business If I do If I give him my last nickel And it leaves me in a pickle Ain't nobody's business If I do Well, I'd rather my man would hit me Than for him to jump up and quit me Ain't nobody's business if I do I swear I won't call no copper If I'm beat up by my papa Ain't nobody's business if I do Morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, everybody and everybody. This is the Labor and Love Show, and you're listening to Mutiny Radio, 2781 21st Street, here in the greatest neighborhood and the greatest city. La Mission. You just heard Bob Dylan open up our Labor and Love radio show with Subterranean Homesick Blues. What you got to go through? 20 years of schooling and they put you on the day shift, huh? If you're lucky enough to get a job. Second, we had Kurt Vile and a group of drunken boys looking for the next whiskey bar. And... Billy Holiday insisting that it's nobody's business 
if I do. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning, working people. This is the B. Labor and Love Radio, where we tell you if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table, that is, you're on the menu. And never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. Labor and Love Radio, where the labor meets the road. Okay, well, we've got a, as usual, a full show here. We got Labor Notes, A History of America in Ten Strikes, a review of a book. And uh, goodbye, Scott Walker. Can't say uh, I'm sad to see you go. Scott Walker, governor of Wisconsin, anti-labor, anti-union governor of Wisconsin, is gone. Two, three years ago, he's one of the main frontrunners for the Republican nomination for president couldn't hang. Election day results result in minimum wage boost for restaurant workers. We'll check that out. We'll look at the California ballot measures, who won and who didn't. As usual, we got radio labor. And then we've got uh, everything travelers need to know about the ongoing Marriott Hotel strikes. The strike here in San Francisco has been settled. Look at our labor beat on Labor and Love Radio Facebook site. Good riddance for Scott Walker. Goodbye. And, um, well, got working class history as usual. And, uh, history isn't made by kings and politicians, it's made by us. All right, let's have a look at, at election results here. Election day results in minimum wage boosts for restaurant workers. Arkansas and Missouri pass minimum wage ballot measures. Other food-related election results. This is called EATER. Voters in Arkansas and Missouri resoundingly approved ballot measures that will increase minimum wage for low-paid workers, low-paid workers, including those in the restaurant industry. Missouri's Proposition B, which passed with 62% of the vote, will gradually increase the state's minimum wage from $7.85 an hour to $12 per hour by 2023. Arkansas's Issue 5, which passed with 68% of the vote, will increase wages from $8.50 an hour to $11 an hour by 2021. Neither measure will affect restaurant workers such as servers who receive the tip minimum wage. In Missouri, the tip minimum wage is $392. In Arkansas, it's $263. Though it will affect low-wage workers 
including many in the fast food industry who have been vocal about the need for a living wage. Holly Sklar, CEO for a business for a fair minimum wage, says business owners in two states came out strongly in support of raising the minimum wage. She said that speaks volumes. So, minimum wage booth. The idea is slowly sinking in <laughs> that people need to earn a living wage in order to come back to work every day, come back and work. It's hard to uh, come back and work every day if you can't feed yourself or your kids or you can't pay for your medical bills. How about the California ballot measures? Okay. Looks like Prop 1. Bonds to fund veteran and affordable housing. Won by a pretty good percentage. 54 to 46, more or less. Number 2. Amend existing housing program for mental illness. Yes. Pass big time. Prop three, bonds for water and environmental projects, no. Voted down. The complaint was that it wasn't well enough planned and uh, it would end up in diverting water in ways that pe a lot of people didn't want. Prop 4, bond for children's hospital construction passed big time, 60 to 40. Senior property reduction, which is a way around uh, property tax increases for certain people, lost. Prop 6, repeal of the fuel tax, no. That was put on there by uh, Republicans who wanted who were looking to use that magic word taxes, reduce taxes to get on the ballot and organize around. Prop 7, change daylight saving time. Yes. Kidney dialysis. Now, this was one that where the... Uh, Business people really played a game with um, with uh, words, right? They had people coming on from you know two, three months ago saying, "Oh, if uh, if this passes, uh, you know, I'm gonna die." Basically, my dialysis center will close down. People are gonna die. Well, it wasn't about that at all. It was about limiting what the dialysis centers could charge. In other words, saying you can't charge anything you want. These companies, a lot of them report record profits, the two biggest ones, one German company and one from a U.S. company, reporting profits as big as 19%. 
Anyway, it lost. They did it. They, they worked it. They made it seem like you were voting against these poor dialysis patients and, uh, you know, pushing the, the button on the box to kill people. Um, rent control on residential property of course you know that'll go down for a lot of people their big investment is their house they don't want to see that increase in its value limited in any way Rent control on residential property. Nine was to divide the state in three parts. Emergency ambulance employees. Number 11, another game played by the business people. Okay, there, this is an ongoing union struggle. The ambulance uh, companies have recently... L- <coughs> Uh, lost a case where it was ruled that they had to pay um, people for working through their lunch, had to pay overtime and other perks for people who work through their lunch. Um, It was defeated. I mean, it won, but what happened was People are thinking, oh, emergency ambulance employees don't work through their breaks. Yes, they do. They always have and they always will. Those the type of people who get jobs like that. Okay, this was another one. This was a labor negotiation. And this victory of Prop 11 is a victory for the businesses. And then uh, farm animals confinement standards... Number 12 voted yes, that one. Um, Another one that's not really very good for, for, um, well, teachers and kids is the apparent victory of Marshall Tuck over Tony Thurmond. Um, for a state state superintendent of public instruction, Tuck is identified himself as a Democrat, which was kind of duplicitous in the sense that all the big money, all the big money, all the big charter school money was supporting Marshall Tuck. Tuck was... Uh, was a um, a Wall Street banker, okay? Got into the business of schools. And when I say the business of schools, I mean it, okay? Tuck has a thin edge over Tony Thurmond. Let's see what the most recent news said. Two days ago, these California races are still too close to call. And there are several congressional races. Uh, Final results don't have to be certified till December 14th. California State Superintendent. The contest between Tony Thurman and Marshall Tuck for State Superintendent 
was split by a margin of 1.2%. And um, Tuck led the way for State Insurance Commissioner Ricardo Lara is leading uh, Steve Poisoner. And so there's several dis... Let's look at it, things here in general. Let's see what we got. Radio Labor. Um, remember when, you know, let's look at Scott Walker. I want to look at Scott Walker because Scott Walker is especially irksome. How did states with high-profile union fights fare in the 2018 midterm? I'm on labor news. The elections were a mixed bag. Wisconsin union members and yours truly got to vote in the state's number one union buster. This is written by Samantha Winslow. Scott Walker. He survived a 2012 recall and a 2014 re-election, but the third time was the charm. The governor who rose to the national stage by kneecapping unions was narrowly ousted in a high turnout election. It's going to be a lot to rebuild, said Milwaukee Teachers Education Association Amy Misiako, whose union campaigned heavily for Walker's opponent, Governor-elect Tony Evers. Lots of things were ripped away from workers and students. Evers has vowed to increase funding for public schools by $1.4 billion and to end the voucher program that funnels public money into private schools. Walker's notorious Act 10 all but barred collective bargaining for public service workers, banned dues deduction, and forced unions to recertify every year. Under his leadership, the state went right to work in both public and private sectors, and union membership plummeted 40%. Okay, Walker. Meanwhile, Walker diverted taxpayer funds to voucher and charter schools and to electronics manufacturing giant Foxconn, notorious for the awful conditions under which workers produce iPhones at his factory in Shenzhen, China. Foxconn agreed to set up a factory in Wisconsin after receiving the largest tax giveaway in U.S. history. Two other Midwestern states, Michigan and Illinois, also ousted anti-union Republican governors. Michigan has seen the last of Governor Rick Snyder, who signed the state's right-to-work law in 2012 and established dictatorial control over many Michigan cities and school districts through the emergency manager system, throwing out union contracts and corrupting Flint's water supply. We all remember that infamous, infamous episode where the bad water was turned on and the good water was turned off to save money. And now a whole generation of young children has been exposed 
to high levels of lead at a young age. Hope Mr. Snyder can sleep at night. Not really. I hope he can't. Snyder was term limited out, but will be replaced by Democrat Gretchen Whitmer. The state retained its Republican-dominated state legislature, though. In Illinois, unions were pleased to be rid of Governor Bruce Rauner, a named plaintiff in the Supreme Court's Janus decision and a foe of teachers and public sector pensions. A new Democratic governor, billionaire Hyatt Hotel heir Jay Pritzker, will overtake President Donald Trump as the richest elected official in the country. In Oklahoma, Arizona, and West Virginia, teachers and their unions hope to turn their state houses red with hopes of winning a more, for, more funding for education. Arizona teachers suffered a setback over the summer when the state Supreme Court knocked their Invest in Ed initiative off the ballot. Nevertheless, teachers said their strike made education the top issue in the state's election. Republican politicians who had opposed the strike scrambled to portray themselves deceitfully as supporters of public education. The state's voters ultimately rejected a ballot initiative to expand school vouchers and the state house will be less red if not split when all the votes are counted. But Republicans weren't but Arizonans weren't able to topple key Republican lawmakers including Doug Ducey. <sighs> On Tuesday, 6 K-12 teachers in Oklahoma were elected to the state legislature. North Carolina voters broke the Republican supermajority in their state houses. Kentucky teachers had also hoped that a wave would bring educators into the state house. Ultimately, 14 out of 51 educators won races in the state house, but Kentuckians only made a small dent in the Republican majority. Colorado teachers, after joining the spring wave of walkouts, had gathered signatures for a ballot measure to raise taxes on the rich and deliver $1.6 billion for public schools. Voters rejected it. Unions will have to keep organizing to pressure lawmakers to put more money into public education. Okay, that's how the elections went, more or less. Here in San Francisco, we'll take a look at that in a minute. Let's play some songs. This one is for Mr. Trump. You! Nothing but a hound. It's 
clan is a devil and not a man. For underneath his white disguise, I have looked into his eyes and I cry, brother.
Okay, remember you're listening to Labor and Love Radio. That one was Noche de Ronda with Tonya La Negra. Noche de Ronda, a woman lamenting that her husband slash boyfriend has gone out <clears throat> for a night out. Um, she's wondering who he's with. Beautiful song. I dedicate that to Sylvia. La, da, 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 da. Okay. Before that, we had Richie Havens with the Clan. The terrible, terrible marker, if you will, of America. America still has not grown up. A lot of people are struggling to bring it into, make it into a modern bicultural worker-friendly, women-friendly, minority-friendly country, LBGQT country. But we keep trying, okay? We keep trying. And before that, we had Big Mama Thornton with You Ain't Nothing But a Hound Dog. Her version, not the one that Elvis cut and made... uh, popular yeah as far as the clan goes I consider all these shootings these are clans people these are people who would feel comfortable in the Ku Klux Klan and see the clan as kind of um, the savior of Americanism of white privilege in America Uh, This country was founded and established and uh, continues to be a white man's country. But the best way to get people, such people, to come to your cause is to tell them they're being victimized. And of course they are, as we all are being victimized by corporate interests and by big government that's, I mean big, that's, government for the big corporations. So, you ain't nothing but a hound dog, Mr. Trump. Radio Labor now. Take well, let's look let's do one more local story. This is uh, everything travelers need to know about the ongoing Marriott hotel strikes. And the strike in San Francisco has been settled and it pending uh, pending approval by the, the membership. But all over the country, the struggle goes on. Over the weekend, Marriott strikes concluded in the cities of Oakland, California, and Detroit. But in six other cities, the protests continue as workers now enter their second month of picketing. It's the largest multi-city hotel strike in American history. And as we always say, these are the people, the invisible people, the people who clean up after you when you go to a hotel, people who change your sheets people who come in and fix the room and make it nice and fresh and new every day. 
to a lot of middle-class people, they're invisible. Put a few bucks under the pillow. Do you ever do that? Over the weekend, okay, the progress has been very slow in most cities, says Rachel Gumpert, National Press Secretary for Unite Here, organization that represents workers in a variety of hospitality industries. The movement we did get in Oakland and Detroit, the contracts are fantastic. We wouldn't have settled if they weren't. But that came after weeks and months of Marriott not making serious progress. There's still time for Marriott to do right, like they have in, the, in Oakland and Detroit. Clearly, they're capable of being reasonable if they want to be. So what if, what if the travelers got to say about it? More than 7,700 hotel workers in Marriott properties Boston, Detroit, San Francisco, San Jose, Oakland, San Diego, Honolulu coordinated massive walkouts. Properties affected range from Westons and Sheratons to the rich Carlton Boston Common and the St. Regis in San Francisco. Marriott CEO refused to meet with the strikers representatives here in San Francisco. What's happening in Oahu? Michael Kelly recently spent two nights at the Sheraton Waikiki in Oahu. He said protesters surrounded the pool around 6 p.m. each night and stayed through sunset. They had folding chairs, he says. They would unfold and slam with drumsticks and mallets. Trash can lids they would bang together. Multiple megaphones for constant chatter, chanting. And large empty buckets they used as drums. They were obstructing guests from taking pictures and enjoying the sunset. It would have been really nice to have been told this could happen or offered something for the impact on our experience. Understand, this man is saying he wants some compensation because they've spoiled his experience, especially at sunset on the island. Marriott insists all hotels where strikes are taking place remain open and welcome guests. At many of the hotels, service levels remain intact, yet Kelly's experience was echoed by a number of TPG readers. TPG, the points guy, I guess that's... In advance of his stay at the Sheridan Back Bay Hotel in Boston, Ted D. emailed the property about the protests and whether or not they would impact his reservation. He never heard back and kept his reservation. The service was not good. There was no club room, no restaurant, only breakfast, and the market was only open a few hours a day. No justice, no peace. Like Kelly, Ted received neither a warning nor compensation from the Sheraton. 
Meanwhile, after checking into the W San Francisco, Coriel ended up switching hotels. Terrible service, he said. Bar closed early every day, and my room was cleaned once. Badess also ran into trouble during the trip to Hawaii. Worst Marriott stay of my life. Ruined my Hawaiian vacation with my wife. My wife had to be housekeeper for a week, and he received no communication from the hotel about the strike's impact on his experience or level of service. Zero housekeeping, total chaos. Before arrival, Alceo decided to move to a nearby hotel. Okay, so goes on and on. Look under the points guy. The invisible people are not so invisible after all. We only notice them when they're not there, when they pull out of their work. And maybe that's why they do it. Huh? Okay. Now we'll go for Radio Labor. The uh, Radio Labor show is about the state of the labor movement worldwide. And this is the Radio Labor World Report. This is Solidarity News on Radio Labor. This is a Radio Labor World Report recorded on Friday, November 9th, 2018. I'm Mark Boulanger. In the report this week, how labor unions helped win elections in the United States. The Filipino labor movement's campaign to help domestic workers. The Labor Start report about union events around the world and singing... This is Radio Labor. In the United States, voters headed to the polls on Tuesday, November 6th in a midterm non-presidential election and hit the far-right Republican Party with a major setback. The center-right Democratic Party won a majority in the lower chamber, the House of Representatives. This despite a powerful array of right-wing money, voter suppression, and reworked electoral boundaries which favor the Republicans. The Democratic Party victory in the House of Representatives is an important achievement because the House will be able to confront the racist, anti-worker, misogynist policies touted by Donald Trump. The labor movement in the U.S. was instrumental in winning a number of House seats and state governorships. For example, unions helped oust the right-wing governor of Wisconsin, Scott Walker. Walker had moved the historically union state into conservative policies, such as anti-union right-to-work laws. Unions also helped elect Democratic governors in traditionally conservative states such as Kansas. All the union campaigns received support from the AFL-CIO, the largest labor federation in the U.S. Richard Trumka, the president of the AFL-CIO, was asked about labor's campaigning in the election. Here's what we did. All the way back in May, we started talking to our members and said, what issues are important to you? 
They told us what those issues were. We then took those issues to the candidates that were running and said, which of you will support these issues? We're going to elect both Democrats and Republicans that support worker issues. And we're going to have a better shake at it. Hopefully they'll be able to work together. And if they don't, we'll elect more people. This is the biggest member-to-member campaign that we've ever had in our history. Uh, We're doing radio, we're doing digital ads, uh, and we're doing uh, direct mail, 10 10 million pieces of direct mail. And they're having an effect. Uh, In in Ohio, for instance, uh, half of of our members that voted for Trump said they're voting for Cordray and for Sherrod Brown this time. So it's had an effect on them. They're voting for people that support workers and are allies. Our members, workers in this country, are motivated right now like I've never seen them before. Uh, They've mobilized because they believe that this economy isn't working for them and the political system isn't working for them. They want an economy that really helps everybody. One month uh, of increased wages or predicted increased wages doesn't reverse three decades of flat stagnant wages. Uh, The economy hasn't been working for them and I gotta tell you, they're motivated like I haven't seen in my 50 years in the labor movement. There's still a lot to be done. When your wages are flat, it doesn't matter whether the stock market's up. When somebody's trying to take your pension away, it doesn't matter uh, what someone else's 401k has done. Workers have still been under attack. Their wages are are flat. Their health care is under attack. Costs are rising. $1,500 next year will be the increase in their premiums they're going to see. They're not able to afford that. Their pensions are being attacked. So for them, This isn't a real mecca. Despite the significant victory in the U.S. House of Representatives, the election was not a complete rejection of Donald Trump. The far-right Republicans still controlled the upper chamber, the Senate, and a number of state governorships remained Republican. Donald Trump has two years left in his mandate before new presidential elections in 2020. There are about 67 million domestic workers in the world. Most, about 80%, are women. For some countries, such as the Philippines, domestic workers who migrate out of the country for work are a major source of national income. There are about 4 million Filipino workers in the United States. Saudi Arabia has more than a million. In Australia, there are more than 200,000. To better understand the conditions of Filipino domestic workers, Alain Rodriguez interviewed one of the Philippines' top labor leaders. Mr. Rodriguez is a communication officer with the Trade Union Development Cooperation Network. He talked to Julius Kanglet, the vice president of the Federation of Free Workers of the Philippines. Here is Mr. Rodriguez with his first question to Mr. Kanglet from the Philippines. In the Philippines, there are over 2 million people who are employed as domestic workers. And the country is one of the world's top four sending countries of domestic migrants. How come this sector is so important in the Philippines? And who are these workers? Um, Well, most of the domestic workers that uh, we had uh, come from poor families in the provinces. Uh, those who do not have direct access to higher paying jobs um, and to a certain extent uh, the relatives from poor provinces of families that are already based in the cities. So 
um, there was a point in time where a lot of women have started working and uh, they cannot directly take care of their own children among others or try to to fix the house so um, getting domestic workers to help you out at the house became a popular option um, and then of course um, especially in the uh, 80s and uh, 90s a lot of the opportunities that opened uh, for many women workers was the opportunity to go abroad and work as a domestic worker this despite the fact that a lot of them were actually graduates they have degrees many of them teachers from before but since the opportunity to go abroad and work abroad uh, became too popular or, or it became a great option for many of them despite the risks involved in terms of their own safety uh, a lot of workers opted to go abroad and work as domestic workers until 2013 uh, the, the, when the domestic workers act was approved being a domestic worker in the philippines was synonym to poverty and social exclusion so what was the triggering factor that made trade unions employee organizations and the government decide to sit around the table and improve the situation of these workers? Well, for one, we do have a lot of domestic workers working abroad. No? Uh, migrant domestic workers uh, contributed a lot to our economy, but at the same time, they experienced a lot of harassment, a lot of violence, a lot of abuses abroad. So what we thought of was, if we want to advocate for the respect uh, of the rights of our migrant domestic workers abroad. We won't be able to do that if we don't treat them as uh, workers uh, in our own country. So that's one of the initial rallying calls we had was that domestic workers are workers and that domestic workers are entitled to decent work. So unless we we practice what we preach, uh, we cannot uh, invoke, uh, we cannot convince other countries to treat our migrant domestic workers well if we do not treat them, treat them well in our own uh, backyard. You can hear an extended version of the interview with Mr. Kanglid on the Radio Labor website. Here with his report about union events around the world is Labor Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. Derek is traveling in Europe. Here's a tiny sample of the hundreds of union news stories in 31 languages added to our site each day last week. Our top stories section included links to coverage of the international trade union mission to Kazakhstan, the Hotel Workers Global Week of Action, and the assassination of a union activist in the Philippines. We had news of strikes and lockouts in dozens of countries. Here are just a few highlights. A public transport strike in Bangladesh completely isolated large parts of the country. Betrayed by the Ghanaian government when promises over their governing structure of their employer were abandoned, university faculty declared an indefinite strike in that country. Indian public transport workers ended their 18-day-long walkout after high court judges mediated an agreement. Rail transport workers in the United Kingdom started a new series of Saturday shutdowns in a bid to save the guard position on passenger trains. Slovenian judicial workers were attempting a strike despite the legal restrictions on any job action by them. 
Iron mine workers in Peru ended their walkout over wages with a victory. South African gold miners were demanding a living wage and safe workplaces. Dockers protesting Chinese management methods at a port in Pakistan passed the 40-day mark in their sit-down strike. Long-serving temporary workers in the Nepali Public Service won permanent status after a week of protests. And Nigerian electricity workers ended a three-day occupation of the employer's headquarters after assurances of improved working conditions were made. Our top working women's stories included coverage of the impending strike by overworked midwives in New Zealand, the union reaction to a report on widespread sexual harassment at the South African Broadcasting Corporation, and a report on gender discrimination faced by Chinese civil servants. The free health and safety newswire we offer in cooperation with Hazards Magazine carried stories to hundreds of union websites around the world about the safety concerns Canadian prison guards have about needle exchange programs for prisoners, a threatened general strike in Israel over construction worker deaths that resulted in significant improvements to workplace safety, and the closing of a chain of pizza restaurants in South Africa over occupational health and safety concerns. Currently, LabourStart is running three online actions. Take just a few seconds out of your day and join thousands of trade unionists around the world in helping workers make their lives better, or even help save those lives. This is Derek Blackadder from LabourStart, reporting for Radio Labour. Now, here is the English comedian singer Jess Robinson with a Lulu version of an Ecope song. Wanna strike? Put our mops down. Shut the shops down. Don't treat us like fools. If you want primary schools, all we want is equal pay. That's why we're marching here today.
So, who says great labor songs aren't being written anymore? And that's it. International labor news you can use. You can find more labor news on our website at www.radiolabor.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Labor. I'm Mark Boulanger. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity. Radio Labor, Worldwide Labor Review. And notice how they call the Democratic Party a center-right party. Absolutely true. Um, Although a lot of Democrats came on this time. Young people, uh, women, people of color, LGBT people. It's happening. It's happening. Um, Maybe it's Mr. Trump. Maybe it's the long, long anti-worker initiative of the government. Maybe it's people just fed up and tired of working and not getting anywhere or not being able to find work. Like Trumpa says, what does it matter if the stock market is up if you don't have a living wage? Amazing. All right. Let's take a little musical break here. Background music provided by Arlene. Okay, back now. It's Labor and Love Radio, where the labor meets the road. Reminding you that we're coming at you every Saturday morning, 10 to 12, live from Mutiny Radio, formerly Mutiny Radio Cafe, 2781 21st Street. A true community arts center, a true community resource. For 100 bucks, you can come and rent our space for two hours, do pretty much whatever you want. We've got, besides Mutiny Radio, a radio station, believe me, that is unique 
in the world. We've got uh, art installations. We've got a lot of comedy, thanks to our our director, our man, uh, station manager, Pam Benjamin. We've got drama. We've got video. Come on in and make a contribution. Come on in and join and get a voice of your own on Mutiny Radio. We've got open slots here. A truly democratic radio station, let me tell you. We've got everything here from uh, jokes, clean and dirty. Um, We've got commentary. We've got free phone sex. We've got labor and love show. We've got Flat Black Plastic, which will be on coming up after me. Just a lot of things. If you want to check it out, look on the radio, mutinyradio.fm website and click podcast. That'll give you a, a list of all the podcasts we have. I want to look and do a little short book review. Um, a book by Eric Loomis, and it's being reviewed by Dave Camper on Labor Notes. A History of America in Ten Strikes by Eric Loomis isn't a best of book. Indeed, it's not even a book about strikes. The book does include great stories about strikes from better-known examples like the Flint sit-down strike of 1937 and the Patco strike of 1981 to lesser known ones like the Pennsylvania anthracite strike of 1902 and the Oakland general strike about 1946. But it truly isn't about strikes. Instead, exactly as the title says, it's a history of the country told through the lens of labor strife. It's an ambitious goal, and in this accessible and engaging book, accessible and engaging book, Loomis lives up to it. Even among folks in the labor movement who have seen the many ways that working people have so frequently been exploited, the prevailing myth of the United States as a land of steady progress and improvement is tough to shake. It's still a radical idea that conflict between workers and bosses is at the heart of America, rather than aberration. But Loomis makes a convincing case. At every stage in American history, there are strikes to illuminate how our nation has developed. What is what it is tempting to second guess his choice, while it is tempting to second guess his choices, why isn't the Memphis Sanitation Workers Strike of 68 included? Why no strikes from the period of labor strikes, labor strife immediately following the First World War? Such as arguing, such arguing is beside the point. There are dozens, thousands of strikes that could have been used to frame the history of the company country. So that's a nice review of uh, a book about labor struggles. Check it out. 
A History of Ten Strikes, okay? People can get that on Audible. All right. So we went through the Travelers at the Marriott. Labor and Love, our own labor beat. A strike at Anaheim's Disneyland, okay? Why Anaheim's Disney living wage measure is pitting union against union. If you're a voter in Anaheim who usually looks to organize labor for guidance on how to vote, don't expect a clear answer on a key ballot initiative this November. Different unions are lining up on different sides of a local initiative designed to raise union wages for workers in and around Disneyland. It's heartbreaking to sit in front of your members and have to explain them how, although it sounds really nice, it excludes you. The minimum wage initiative would only apply to Anaheim employees that benefit from city subsidies. While the Teamsters in Anaheim drive buses that shuttle workers between hotels and Disneyland, Lopez says they're not directly employed by any company receiving city tax breaks. We're not against a living wage by any means, said Lopez, but this living wage doesn't go far enough. Measure L was put on the ballot by unions representing theme park and hotel workers. They say Disneyland and hotels surrounding the park pay poverty wages, forcing some of their workers into homelessness. Other unions besides the Teamsters don't like the proposal at all. Building trade unions in Anaheim say Measure L would dry up the kind of projects they need to keep their workers on the job. If developers can't rely on city tax incentives, They'll pass over Anaheim and thousands of hotel construction jobs will be lost. Their fears aren't just hypothetical. Earlier this month, Disney announced it was canceling plans to build a 700-room luxury hotel. The decision came after the project's location was moved and Disney lost a local tax rebate. So, divide and conquer, huh? Check this one out. This is a... David Wagner in News. Okay, LA first. Pitting union against union. I mean, couldn't one union step back and say, uh, well, Go ahead and get yours this time, and then you owe us one. When skies are cloudy, Easy for me to say, huh? Only for and here's some good news. Election day results in minimum wage boost for restaurant workers. Okay, we already read up about that one. There's only one thing to do. Just wrap your troubles in dreams. And dream all your okay, Massachusetts, nurses, 
fate after all life's really funny that way no use to grumble hotels torch safe staffing limits in massachusetts Massachusetts nurses suffered a devastating defeat at the polls as a union-led ballot initiative lost by more than two to one. Question one would have improved hospital care by limiting the number of patients that bedside nurses could legally be assigned. But the Massachusetts hotel lobby spent upwards of $30 million to drum up fear and confusion in a campaign that strongly resembled an anti-union drive. So, companies are willing to scrimp on care for patients in order to make money. There should be no money, be no profit in medical care. Say patient limits are the holy grail for nurse unions. While many union contracts establish nurse-to-patient ratios, only in California have nurses won universal ratios at the legislature. Okay, so check that one out. That's on Labor Labor News. Labor Notes. (laughs) Easy for me to say. about some music and then we'll get into some working class history. Relaxed positions and prostitutes your loss Were you tortured by your own thirst In those pleasures that you seek That made you Tom the curious That makes you James the weak Crucifies your mind So can't convince your mirror As you've always done before Giving substance to shadows Giving substance evermore 
about a revolution sounds don't you know talking about a revolution sounds like a whisper while they're standing in the welfare lines crying at the doorsteps of those armies of salvation wasting time Gonna rise up, get there, yeah. Poor people gonna rise up and take what's there. epidemic hardly spoken of but it's happening it's eviscerating our young ladies and gentlemen fellow Americans lady Americans this is James Brown I want to talk to you about one of our most deadly killers in the country today 
I had a dream the other night and I was sitting in my living room. I stole off to sleep, so I started dreaming. I dream I walked in a place and I saw a real strange weird object standing up talking to the people and I found out it was heroin. That deadly drug that go in your vein. He said, I came to this country without a passport. Ever since then, I've been hunted and sought. My little white grains are nothing but waste, soft and deadly and bitter to taste. But I'm a world of power and all know it's true. Use me once and you'll know it too. I can make a mere schoolboy forget his books. I can make a world famous beauty neglect her looks. I can make a good man forsake his wife, send a greedy man to prison for the rest of his life. I can make a man forsake his country and flag, make a girl sell her body for a five dollar bag. Some think my adventures are joy and a thriller, but I'll put a gun in your hand and make you trouble. In cellophane bags I found my way, to heads of state, to children at play. I financed in China, ran in Japan, I'm respected in Turkey, and I'm legal in Siam. I take my addicts and make them steal, borrow, beg. Then they search for a van and the arm of the leg. So be you Italian, Jewish, black or mixed, I can make the most virile of men forget their sex. So now, so now my man, you must you know, do your best to keep up your habit until your arrest. Now the police have taken you from under my wing. Do you think they dare defy me, I who am king? Now, you must lie in that county jail where I can't get to you by visit or mail. So squirm with discomfort, wiggle and cough. Six days of madness.
Okay, we're back. Um, had a little uh, malfunction here. I have to work out and see what's the matter with uh, this computer. I did want to put in some labor history. For example, in 1936, July it was, a right-wing coup overthrew or attempted to overthrow Spain's elected Republican government, which was a coalition of different interests. So this is a short history of that. 
por nacer con el puño levantado tierra que no es mía esta tierra que es del amor esta tierra que no es mía esta tierra que es del amor la llevo con the fascists who were backed by Italy and Nazi Germany. Blockade of the Republic by the European democracy like the UK France started. After three years the fascists were victorious and sent about exterminating their enemies, killing tens of thousands. Refugees fled to France where they were interned in prison camps. And was probably blown way out of proportion to justify the vicious attack on native peoples in Kenya. In 1952, a rebellion broke out against British rule in Kenya, which became known as the Mau Mau Uprising. The British would murder thousands of civilians. place over a million others into army inspected villages which were concentration camps. Only 32 whites were killed. British forces also dropped six million tons on the country, carried out mass torture, rape, castration, and mutilation of tens of thousands of Kenya became independent in 1963. Heads up for a new film by Mike Lee, the British filmmaker, called Peter Lou. Peter Lou referring to a workers' uprising in 1819, right after the Napoleonic Wars were done, hence the name Peter Lou because it was uh, right after Waterloo. Okay, this week, and can't, can't avoid it, I'm a sports fan. This week, uh, we lost a great, one of the great all-time Giants players, a man also well-known for his uh, open-heartedness and, they say, humility. <laughs> For others, a man named Willie McCovey. And uh, well, let's see what it, what they say here. 
There was a ceremony at Candlestick Park from McCovey this week. Alabama, where he was born. He left the pre-civil rights deep south to become a disciple of Jackie Robinson. Jackie was the reason that I uh, played baseball, really. Uh, Jackie gave us hope that there was something else beyond, you know, Mobile and Sandlot baseball. Known affectionately as Stretch because of his towering six-foot-four frame, McCovey was signed by the Giants in 1955. He played 19 of his 22 seasons in San Francisco, often in the shadow of another giant, Willie Mays. From day one in San Francisco, I was liked and adopted, and that's something Mays didn't have when he first went out there. McCovey officially launched his career by going four for four in his debut game, on his way to a career that included 521 home runs. Upon his retirement in 1980, he claimed the most homers ever by a National League left-handed hitter. That record stood for 21 years, until it was broken by yet another giant, Barry Bonds. In the heart of baseball's second dead ball era, and long before the steroids era, McCovey was arguably the most fearsome hitter in the game. I got the bat taken out of my hands a lot. Who's to say I wouldn't have hit a few had they pitched to me? He was a Rookie of the Year in 1959, an MVP 10 years later. Yet he entered Cooperstown without a World Series championship, having come so tantalizingly close in 1962 against the Yankees. Here's the pitch to Willie. Here's a liner straight to Richardson. The ball game is over and the World Series is over. Today, McCovey Cove in San Francisco stands as an enduring legacy for home runs splashed down beyond the right field wall. McCovey Cove! Out of here! How fitting that it takes a majestic blast to reach the place named in honor of the man called Stretch. I have uh, some personal reflections about McCovey. This was, uh, of course, you know, praising him for his achievements and uh, his personality. I have to remember at the time when McCovey came up, 1959, there was very deep-seated racism, as there is now, but San Francisco was basically a white town. And since the ballplayers were mostly black, the... Uh, White people would make up names for them. Darks, darkies, huh? When the manager was Alvin Dark. Sheehan Shines, when the manager was Tom Sheehan. Riggs Jigs, probably the most offensive of all of them. And McCovey was a tall, very dark-skinned man who was had a sort of a light, a way of walking where he jangled around, uh, he was a stereotype for a lot of white people of what a black man was. And when he first came up, he was always a very good hitter, but he was an indifferent fielder and uh, dropped balls often that he should have caught. Um, Base, an indifferent base runner, not, not an all-around player. So what happened was after his first splash performance, 
four for four against Robin Roberts, one of the great pitchers of the era. Um, and Rookie of the Year, 1959, 1960, started off very slowly. He was sent down to the minor leagues, and he developed his game. He practiced incessantly, uh, learned how to field his position, until one of his managers said that there was no other first baseman in the league who he would trade McCovey for based on fielding. He learned how to how to steal bases. I mean, uh, he learned how to bunt. He was uh, uh, one night against the Mets. I saw him take second base on a ground ball single up the middle. He became an all-around player as well as a beloved player, and he shut the racist up. So. What more can you say? How many people get a chance to do that? Willie McCovey. McCovey died uh, at the age of 80. Okay, let's see what we got on working class history. On this day, November 10th, 1937... Brazilian President Getulio Vargas announces Estado Novo, new state, constitution based on a corporatist and fascist model. National, regional, and city councils were dissolved and union activity banned. This move to break the powerful Brazilian working class movement and break and make Brazil more attractive to American investment was congratulated by the fascist regimes in Italy and Germany. And they've got a photo of Mr. Vargas with uh, none other than Franklin Roosevelt, huh? Franklin Roosevelt. On this day, November 6, 1986, the Iran-Contra scandal, where the U.S. sold arms to Iran to fund paramilitaries in Nicaragua, began to break. Acting President Ronald Reagan said, the speculation that the U.S. has sold arms to Iran has no foundation, which turned out to be a lie. Check out Working Class History for Noam Chomsky's analysis of the Iran-Contra scandal. On this day, November 5th, 1921, German-Jewish communist resistance fighter and nurse Marianne Prager, who Joachim was born. After the Nazis took power, she worked at a forced labor camp in the Siemens factory in Berlin, where she joined the bomb resistance group in the plant, which consisted of other Jewish communist leaders. She was ex executed in 1943 for her part in an arson attack on a Nazi propaganda exhibit the previous year. Marianne Prager Joachim. Okay, this is the Labor and Love Show, and we're getting down to the point where we're going to get out of here and uh, turn you over to 
Scott Walker. Scott uh, and his program, Flat Black Plastic. Uh, this is the B, and remember, if uh, one person works for a do if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table, where you work, you're on the menu. Please remember never to let your heart, let into your heart anyone who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. Hello to Solina, to the whole gang at 271. Hello, Vita. How are you doing? Hello, everybody all around the world. Hello, Yemen. Earl, Denny, Charlie, you guys know who you are. <laughs> Remember, labor and love. We go, we go out to work during the day and we come home to love at night. Something like that anyway. Let's go out here with Pete Seeger. And then we'll get out and get Willie Dixon. Just give that rhythm everything you've got. Yeah. Come all of you good workers, good news to you I'll tell. Of how the good old union has come in here to dwell. Which side are you on? Which side are you on? My daddy was a miner and I'm a miner's son. And I'll stick with the union till every battle's won. Which side are you on? Which side are you on? They say in Harlan County there are no neutrals there. You'll either be a union man or a thug for J.H. Blair. Which side are you on? Which side are you on? Oh, workers, can you stand it? Oh, tell me how you can. Will you be a lousy scab or will you be a man? Which side are you on? Which side are you on? Don't scab for the bosses, don't listen to their lies. Us poor folks haven't got a chance unless we organize. Which side are you on? Which side are you on? so many things and making a kind of variety of the program it requires a lot of different facts of life that we must know about 
when you think about the various nations of the earth, the various religions of the earth, the various nationalities, the various people all over the world, we have been able to make anything that we want to make and do anything we want to do. have created miracles, but it don't make sense when we can't make peace. Apply now for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2019. Applications open until November 30th for 25 shows in five days. 40 comics chosen March 1st through 5th. 2019 for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. It's our fourth annual, and we hope you apply from whatever part of the nation or international comedy scene you come from. Apply now through November 30th. Go to our website, www.mutinyradio.fm, for more details. Aloha, mutineers. Stolowitz here. People ask me, Dave, why do you spend so much time listening to mutinyradio.fm? Well, the answer's simple to me. It's the love I find here. We've got so many great programs here. There's something for everybody, surely. Well, maybe not the Hitler crew, but you know everyone else. Let me tell you about some of my favorite shows here at Mutiny you may not have heard about. Labor and Love with Bill Morgan is every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 noon. Bill is passionate about labor, jazz, and solidarity, and he tells you how it is. No BS. If somebody gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. I always learn a lot from Labor and Love. It's educational and inspirational. The Common Thread Collective is every Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. with legendary octogenarian hate Ashbury activist Diamond Dave. With help from his friends, Dave talks news, wisdom, progressive activism, and spirituality. There's also open mic time for music, poetry, and stories. Comics gotta hold off till happy hour, though. Oh, and check out Flat Black Plastic with Scott Walker, Saturdays from noon to 2. The title says it all. Classic vinyl albums with no apologies. Great stuff. You can listen in live to these fine programs on mutinyradio.fm or download the podcast at your convenience on Apple iTunes. What a deal. Authentic, real San Francisco love. That's what keeps our ship afloat. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes. And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke 
workshop. Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shitface McRat. <laughs> For all your space chicken sci-fi comedy non-political humor needs, go to timstesseract.com. Read fiction about the future of San Francisco after the water wars of 2121 in Jane 6. Ask a Jedi for important life hacks. Eat flesh with the bare exoskeleton Contessa. And check your horror horoscope on Horoscopia. Updated every three parsecs. Timstesseract.com Timstesseract.com Everybody should listen to Mutiny Radio at mutinyradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things.
vinyl enthusiast. That is flat black plastic. I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... uh, Aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by Uh, Here's his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch a full-length movie. My friends out at Mutiny Radio. Jester Cashcock here, giving you my love and regards as well as Moofy's over there. And you know, anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Bamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10. They have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission, where you can laugh off your tushy every Friday for a mere $10. And $10, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with, so to wipe it off, for <laughs> it's in duty this. And if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, don't worry, don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen Summer Cottage on the Mountain Ridge for the kayaks. <laughs> Just go to podcast.pcrcollective.org or mutinyradio.fm podcasts and look for Comedy Clubhouse with a K. You can download it for free. But we'd love to see you every Friday, 8 to 10, down here at Mutiny Radio. Laugh off your tushy and save your life. Because you know what's better than laughter? Well, it's a cash cock, baby. (laughs) How exciting for you, Mutiny Radio listener. There are six new shows here at MutinyRadio.fm. Monday nights at 10 o'clock, it's time for free phone sex. 415-550-0511. Yes, call in for free phone sex. You will be recorded. It is a podcast, but will that phone sex be free? Absolutely. 10 a.m. Mondays, it's time for everyday conversations on race with everyday people. With Simma Lieberman, everyday people talking about race every week. Different everyday people talking about Flat race. black plastic people. On Tuesdays, in, uh, it's spiritual coming to you straight from with Renee the fires of hell in the Bay Area. It'll heal you. Then... At noon, stick around, Sergio Novoa. Hopefully this is working. My limited view. And that is why weeds on the path grow high. And even the moon races fearfully by. For something walks along the stair. Something that is and isn't there. Winter moon. How thin and sharp is the moon tonight. How thin and sharp and ghostly white 
is the slim curved crook of the moon tonight. Sir Roderick's Song When the night wind howls in the chimney cowls and the bat in the moonlight flies and inky clouds like funeral 